take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and toquettes And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Tuesday, October 18th, 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world and just three weeks away from Marijuana Election Night 2016. Oh my God, I can't believe how close we are to radically altering not just America's, but the world's prohibition of cannabis. This is going to be a momentous occasion. We'll be there live in Los Angeles at the Drug Policy Alliance watch party for Prop 64, bringing you live coverage on CannabisRadio.com from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time. We're covering all the time zones an hour before the first polls close in the east through an hour after the last polls close in the west we'll have guests on from the campaigns we'll have reporters at the campaign watch parties we'll speak to celebrities policy wonks and even some of the opposition we're going to have on the show we're going to be fair and balanced here so check that out coming out marijuana election night tuesday november 8th three to nine pacific time Oh boy, on today's show, so much to get to because we are just getting so much information and, and, and so much uh, polling coming from the marijuana election night. And uh, we're going to get to that here three weeks before the election in our drug war data mining. I'm going to run down all the latest polls. We got a few updates for you, let you know how reform is proceeding in this country. Before that, though, we'll get to a behind the headlines segment talking about our opponents. I've downloaded a whole bunch of the anti-marijuana ads that they're hearing in Florida, Arizona, Massachusetts, California, and Nevada. We'll play a few of them here in hour one. We'll save a bunch of them for hour two, especially one of them I can't wait to hear, uh, ripping off uh, Jimmy Kimmel. And you know Jimmy Kimmel uh, live on ABC. He's got that mean tweets, you know, where the celebrities come on and they, they read the awful, insulting tweets that they get. Well, this one is kids read mean tweets from marijuana supporters. (laughs) So we're going to take a listen to that in hour two. Also coming up on the show today, we'll get into the activist agenda because we are uh, prepping for marijuana election night. And joining us today, we'll have Genevieve Sheridan. Uh, She is in Marion County, Oregon. That's where Salem, Oregon is. That's our state capital here. They're looking at a ban that they want to get overturned on marijuana businesses, and uh, we'll talk to her about the campaign, how that's going, and uh, how we can help if uh, we want to get some marijuana businesses going there in our state capital. So that'll be coming up at half past the hour. Stay tuned for that. Also on the show today, we'll have time for a radical rant where I'm going to take the time to swat a dragonfly. That's right. Dragonfly De La Luz is back. Just like the the crickets, the cicadas, they reappear every so many years, right? Well, every time there's a legalization initiative in uh, California, Dragonfly De La Luz will be there to try to convince you that you should vote to remain a criminal. So we'll talk about that coming up in the Radical Rant. Of course, we've got our cannabis radio news as well, all sorts of headlines. We've got an update 
on that governor's wife. Uh, you remember that story we told you about in Utah? Well, there's been a deal in that case, so we'll talk about that. We've got some overseas news from Turkey where they've uh, reformed some of their cannabis cultivation laws. Great news happening over there. And uh, we've got other stories coming to you from Oregon, a stupid stoner story. Uh, we've got uh, a story coming out of, uh, let's see, uh, oh, Alaska, great one uh, on a uh, elementary school gone bad, and a sad story of gunfire over a marijuana deal gone bad in California. That's all coming up, plus Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio, we take your calls live at 650-LEGAL-MJ, 650-534-2565. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with the Cannabis Radio News next this is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. The cannabis industry is growing, business is booming, and as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your Canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. Today I started smoking my weed again. I'm right back where I really always been. I got over my weed just long enough, let my probation end. And today I started smoking my weed again. Hey, boy, pass me that joint. <laughs> Chong's choice. <laughs> the Tommy Chong Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Adrian, I, I ain't finished it. <laughs> Okay, maybe you're high, too. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com.
It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, October 18th, 2016. Turkey has legalized cannabis production in 19 provinces in order to crack down on illegal production, according to new regulations by the Ministry of Food, Agriculture, and Livestock. Published in the official Gazette late September, hemp cultivation and control of regulations will allow highly controlled and ministry-sanctioned cannabis production in the selected provinces for medical and scientific purposes. Under the regulations, growers must obtain permission from the government, allowing them to grow the plant for a three-year period, the Turkish newspaper The Hurriyet reports. Potential growers must produce a warrant proving they have not been involved in any illegal cannabis production activity or narcotic production or use in the past. The wife of Utah's Democratic candidate for governor pleaded guilty to misdemeanor pot possession charges connected with two pounds of the drug found at their house. The plea deal calls for a fine and probation rather than jail time for Donna Weinholz, who was charged after postal workers found a small amount of pot she tried to mail to the couple's home in California earlier this year. Mike Weinholz revealed the investigation during his party's convention in April, shortly after it began, and said he would then push to legalize in Utah the medical use his wife needs for chronic pain. She agreed to serve one year of probation and pay a $3,800 fine in the plea deal that also calls for her record to be cleared if she stays out of trouble for the next year. Prosecutors declined to file the felony possession charge Utah maintains for possessing over a pound of marijuana, which can earn a sentence of five years in prison. An apology was issued Tuesday after an automated phone message from an Anchorage Elementary School Monday night urged parents to attend a city assembly meeting and voice opposition to marijuana retail stores on the agenda. That message from Campbell Elementary School should never have gone out due to its partisan nature, said Anchorage School District spokesperson Heidi Embley. The message was sent out by a staff member, not Campbell Elementary Principal Michelle Johansson, according to Embley. Emily said she did not know the staff member's name. When pressed about the staff member's position, Emily replied in an email that the principal was taking responsibility for the message, saying, quote, this was not something that should have happened or will happen again in the future, end quote. In the message, a female voice tells parents that a marijuana retail store, quote, quietly passed without public input, end quote, at the last Anchorage Assembly meeting and urges parents to attend Tuesday's meeting to oppose another store looking to open up in the area. An Oregon man faced multiple citations after attempting to trade a large amount of marijuana for a snowmobile owned by a police officer. Jason Owen, age 29, had contacted the snowmobile's owner, who happened to be an Oregon state trooper, on Craigslist and offered to trade a pound of marijuana in exchange for the vehicle, according to Oregon State Police. The trooper and his supervisor sought a consultation with the agency's drug enforcement section before he and Owen agreed to meet at a local gas station to discuss the deal. When Owen arrived to meet the trooper, he was monitored by an unmarked police vehicle before being stopped by several marked patrol cars. The trooper identified himself and informed Owen he was committing a crime by possessing more than a pound and a half of marijuana in his vehicle. A deal over marijuana was at the center of a violent encounter that ended in gunfire with one man dead and two people wounded at a rural Sebastopol 
California property, Sonoma County Sheriff's investigators confirmed Tuesday. Detectives found both potted cannabis plants and processed pot at the Highway 116 South property Saturday night after they were called to the home by a woman reporting she and two others had been shot. Quote, the argument was about someone owing money or someone owing weed, end quote, Sheriff Spokesperson Sergeant Spencer Crum said. Detectives were working to determine the roles of all present at the property, including resident Nathan Proto, age 36, who was shot and killed at the scene, and two others who were shot and critically wounded. It wasn't clear who owed whom. Crum said they remained in critical condition Tuesday, and the victims remain unidentified. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, October 18, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. <sighs> cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. Pay quick. The safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Not enough money for schools. Since we made marijuana legal, our schools are better and our kids have more opportunities. Crowded courts mean police cannot protect our streets. The great thing is that here in Colorado, law enforcement is able to focus on the number one priority for all of us, which is preventing violent crime. Never enough money. Since the passage of Amendment 64, I have seen an increase in resources for our schools. It's your turn to regulate marijuana. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Okay. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Hey, everybody. It's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we want to take a look at Marijuana Election Night 2016 coming up in just three weeks. And the money is starting to pour in on the opposition side. News was revealed today that Sheldon Adelson, the casino billionaire in Nevada who owns the Las Vegas Review-Journal newspaper, has poured another million dollars into anti-reform efforts, this time in the state of Massachusetts, where they are voting on question four. Uh, in our next segment, we'll talk about some of the polling that's going on in Massachusetts and elsewhere. But for this segment, we're going to talk about the opposition and what their money is funding, the types of ads that they are running on the news stations and how uh, these might be having an effect on some of our polling numbers. We'll get to that in the next segment. But 
Now, let's listen to the latest ad coming out of the No on Question 4 campaign. This is some of what uh, Sheldon Adelson's money helps to buy. Question 4 would allow thousands of pot shops and marijuana operators throughout Massachusetts in neighborhoods like yours. Shops that sell pot edibles that look like candy and high-potency marijuana. In pro-pot states, incidents of drug driving and fatal car accidents are up. More pot shops than McDonald's and Starbucks combined. Higher potency, dangerous drivers. It's the reason health professionals are urging you to vote no on four. See, that's the the framing they want to use. It's coming straight from Kevin Sabet, the edibles. They know that that is a a big scare talking point for parents, that the kids are going to get the the marijuana gummies. Oh, my God, we got to worry about this. This is the type of framing we're going to hear. And it's important that we counter these uh, frames uh, with the the gummy frame. I always like to counter with the gummy vitamins, the chocolate X-lax, pointing out that we don't blame parents if or we don't blame the chocolate X-lax if the kids get into it and get sick, we blame the bad parenting. The other uh, part of that ad that I want to make sure that we attack is this more dispensaries or more pot shops than Starbucks and McDonald's combined. This is an apples to oranges comparison. They're saying, oh my God, there's going to be so many pot shops, a plethora of them more than Starbucks and McDonald's combined. But ask them this, how many locations are there where a person can get a cup of coffee or a hamburger? See, the the distortion they're using here is to compare all retailers of every cannabis product to one retailer of coffee or one retailer of hamburgers. So it's an apples to oranges comparison that tells us nothing. However many pot shops there may be will be enough to satisfy the market. It's not as if we make a whole bunch of pot shops and it's going to force more people to smoke pot. It's just going to take the deals off of the streets and out of the parking lots and parks and put them into stores where IDs are checked and taxes are raised. Now, Sheldon has uh, put a lot of money into Florida as well. Here's one of the anti-medical marijuana ads in Florida. This is a pharmacist. Qualifications, four years of medical training and 2,000 hours of clinical experience. This is a bud tender. Qualifications, no medical training, no clinical experience, but knows a lot about pot firsthand. With Amendment 2, pot will be legally dispensed by bud tenders, not pharmacists. In pot shops, not pharmacies. No prescription needed. That's not medicine. It's dope dealers with storefronts. Vote no on Amendment 2. And of course, this is a a classic case of leaving out the important detail. And that is, we'd be fine with medical marijuana being dispensed by pharmacists. We'd be fine with it uh, requiring a prescription. But the federal Schedule 1 designation makes those things impossible. It's just impossible. We cannot have pharmacists. We cannot have prescriptions. This idea, trying to demonize and scare scare us that there's a bud tender, that doesn't have a whole lot of pharmacy experience is irrelevant because pharmacists need that experience because they're dealing in toxic and addictive substances that have cross drug interactions that can be fatal. A bud tender is selling an herb that has no possible risk of overdose and has never killed anybody and has no known drug interactions, save Viagra and 
it only just makes Viagra better, folks. So uh, they are really trying to just throw everything up against the wall, see what will stick, and scare the hell out of the voters. We're not going to let them. Man, I'm not going to any more of these bullshit Puno parties. I hear you, Mr. President. That sound means it's 20 after 420 in the mountain time zone. So happy 420 to our friends out in the uh, Rockies, the land of my birth. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we've got our marijuana election night poll update three weeks before the election. And in hour two, we'll play some more of those scary ads. Maui Wowie. Acapulco Gold, California Kush, our strains stretch everywhere too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds till they bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with the bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show. Uh, St. Peter auditioning to be the Microsoft weed software uh, spokesman. Hey, this is St. Peter from Microsoft. They track weed. Does that mean they're going to like track the weed? Is that what this is about, Jesus? I'm not going to be tracked, Jesus. I'm not going to have my fucking weed tracked. And I'm not going to have fucking Microsoft track me back to my fucking house through my weed to where they fucking spied on people with that goddamn Xbox camera. Fuck this. Fuck Microsoft. Fuck this bullshit. The Stoner Jesus Show. Live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Could be Russia, but it could also be China. It could also be lots of other people. It also could be somebody sitting on their bed that weighs 400 pounds, okay? Okay. Maybe you're high, too. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. 
Today in the Data Mines, three weeks before we vote on marijuana election night, we've got the latest polls in the nine states that are voting on reform, and let's give them a rundown. Starting with the big jewel, California's Prop 64. The latest poll is out, a IGS field poll uh, showing a 60 to 31 support for marijuana legalization in California. 60 to 31 IGS field poll with 70 uh, support for Democrats, 65 from independents and 40 from Republicans supports greatest in the L.A. area, 71 percent, San Francisco Bay Area, 61 percent, lowest support in the Central Valley, still at 50 percent. So good news coming out of the field poll that backs up uh, a survey USA poll from two days ago that uh, showed a 51 to 40 support, uh, far lower support, uh, but still above majority. This may be a bit of an outlier because two previous polls in September uh, were a 58-34 and a 60-36 uh, another Survey USA poll back in September was a 5240. So Survey USA seems to be the low pollster in California, but even then they're only registering 40% opposition. Uh, SC Dorn Life, uh, USC, uh, LA Times uh, had a 5834 in September as well. In Arizona, we've got a new poll out from Arizona Higher Ground. Interesting name for a polling firm on marijuana. Uh, The poll shows a 50 to 45 support for legalization under Prop 205. That's up from the previous poll the day before. Yesterday's poll, Data Orbital, had a 44-45 opposition. So very, very close in Arizona. Uh, That's up, though, from an OH Predictive Insights poll in September that was 43-47. And, of course, Arizona Republic and Cronkite News in September had a 50 to 40 poll. It's looking very close in Arizona, just barely scraping support above opposition. Uh, Advertising could make a huge difference in Arizona. We need every vote we can get there. Now, looking at uh, Nevada, newest polls out of Nevada include a Ben Dixon and Amandi poll that showed a 47-46% plurality support for the question two in Nevada. Uh, a similar poll out of Suffolk University conducted the same time, end of September, showed a 57-33 support. And a mid-September poll from KTNV showed 53-39 support. The Ben Dixon poll may be uh, an outlier. It may uh, also have something to do with that being a poll commissioned by the Las Vegas Review Journal, the newspaper that is owned by Sheldon Adelson. So I'm going to stick with Nevada being in the 53 to 57 range and looking good for legalization to pass. Coming out of the state of Massachusetts, we are finding poll numbers that show some bare support looking good there. Massachusetts uh, Western New England poll end of September showed a 55-39 support for legalization. A WBZ poll at the end of September showed 53-40 and a WBUR poll in September showed 50-45. to However, there is high profile opposition from the state's governor, the mayor of Boston and other officials and uh, Massachusetts uh, could be a difficult one to pull off, but still looking somewhat promising. We don't have a whole lot of polling coming out of the state of Maine. Uh, The most recent poll was a mid-September poll by the Portland Press Herald showing a 53 to 38% support. So of our five states that are voting on marijuana legalization, if I were to rank them in order of 
how likely they are to pass. I would say California is most likely followed probably by, um, let's say, Nevada, Maine, Massachusetts, and Arizona in that order. Now, taking a look at the medical marijuana polls, Florida is the big jewel in this campaign. And of course, keep in mind in Florida, constitutional amendments need 60% to pass. 50 won't do it. The latest poll coming out of WESH and public policy polling shows a 6924 support for medical marijuana uh, amendment two in Florida. Other polls from September show uh, public opinion research shows 77 to 18. Florida Chamber of Commerce shows 73 to 22 and St. Leo University shows 69 to 31. However, in mid-October, there was a poll from Breitbart News and Gravis uh, Marketing that showed only 54 to 35 support in Florida. I'm going to consider that an outlier as well, considering the source is Breitbart News. I'd say Florida is almost a lock to pass medical marijuana with its support way up there in the high 60s, low 70s. In Arkansas, the polling is two separate measures. Issue six is the medical marijuana that's the strict dispensary only one. This is most recently got 49 to 43 support. This was a mid-September talk business and politics poll. Issue seven, the medical marijuana that is more liberal and would allow some people to grow at home is way behind a mid September poll from talk business politics showed it at 36 to 53% opposition. The only uh, item I can find in our marijuana election night that actually has majority opposition is issue seven in Arkansas, North Dakota. We don't have any polls. Uh, Last poll in North Dakota was 2014 and it was a 47, 41 support. And that was just the generic idea of medical marijuana, not the actual text of the measure. And in Montana, with its initiative 182 to reform and restore the medical marijuana program there to its previous glory, no polls. Can't find a single poll coming out of Montana on initiative 182. Neither can I find polls on Denver's social use initiative. But we did get a poll from a state that's not voting on legalization this year. A new poll out of Delaware shows a 61 to 35 percent support for legalization. That's our polling update for Marijuana Election Night. We'll do it next Tuesday and get you updated. Stay tuned. We've got a MJ Election Night preview with Genevieve from Marion County going to tell us all about what's going on to stop the bans. Genevieve Sheridan when we come back. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Lisa was an amazing girl. She loved boating, photography, drama. 
Nothing could stop the cancer. She was only 17. She had surgeries, hundreds of chemos, radiation. All they could do was try to make her feel better. We did lose Elise in September. It was horrific. I don't know why anyone would choose to deny her relief by denying her access to medical marijuana. Yes on two is compassion for those still fighting. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. What would you do if you were elected about Aleppo? About Aleppo. And what is Aleppo? Okay, maybe you're high too. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. You're listening to Cannabis Radio News' exclusive coverage of Vote 2016, The Path to Cannabis Freedom, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's 33 after the hour, and today in our Marijuana Election Night preview, we are taking a look at some of the local issues that are happening here in the state of Oregon where marijuana legalization passed in 2014, and yet we still have many places around the state that are rejecting the will of the voters, rejecting marijuana legalization, and specifically the businesses and licenses that are needed to conduct commerce in these places. Joining us today, we've got Genevieve Sheridan. She is in Marion County, and for those of you listening, uh, Marion County is uh, just south of me. Uh, It's the county that contains Salem, which is our state capital, so there's a lot of political awareness going on there. And uh, we'll get an update here on what's going on with Genevieve. How are you doing, Genevieve? I'm doing well. Thank you. Well, thanks for joining us here. And uh, we were just uh, curious about this campaign. I noticed there was two different uh, numbers as far as initiatives go. Uh, Let our listeners know what are the issues that we're voting on in uh, Marion County. So measure 24404 uh, could potentially ban medical cannabis uh, processors and dispensaries in the unincorporated county. And 24405, if we vote yes, would allow us to repeal the current recreational ban uh, in the county. Okay, so it's two separate issues because one is medical ban and the other one is recreational ban? Right. Okay. And so this medical ban isn't in effect yet, but the recreational one is? Right. So basically, the county commissioners have referred the recreational vote back to the voters because it was such a close vote before. And so we have the chance to repeal right now and allow recreational cannabis businesses to operate outside of the city limits of Salem. The city has allowed uh, pretty much everything within the city limits, but a good portion of our city is not incorporated Mm -hmm. and you would not be able to know just by looking at it. I see. Okay. So uh, an attempt to ban medical, which we'd want to vote no on, and an attempt to repeal the rec ban, which we'd want to vote yes on, just so everyone's clear, right? 
Oh, no. Actually, no. vote yes on both. Because yes the way that it's worded, we need you to vote yes to say yes to cannabis. Okay. See, that's the thing is sometimes these initiatives make the ballot. I mean, a, a perfect example is in Montana. When they uh, shut down the medical program there, there was a, a referendum to veto this new bill that had shut down the, the program. But it's one of those weird situations. You had to vote yes to say no. You had to vote no to say yes. Uh, so let's make sure everyone knows it's vote <laughs> yes. yes for cannabis. Yes. The way it's worded is, should it be allowed? And so vote yes to allow it. Okay. Uh, so uh, have you heard from any of uh, the growers, processors, or retailers affected by these bans in the rural areas? I mean, how many are, are these affecting? Well, uh, there's a handful in Salem. They have Salem addresses, uh, two dispensaries that do a huge amount of business are looking at moving right now. They're worried that uh, November 8th will come along and they'll have to move, so they're already setting up new properties within the city limits. They're literally almost right across the street from the city limits. Huh. It reminds me of uh, when you go to uh, uh, Lake Tahoe, California, Nevada, right? You go right across the street and there's casinos. Yeah. Across the street the other way, there's liquor <laughs> in the grocery store. <laughs> It's just a weird thing. Uh, what's the opposition like there in Salem? You said this was the, the council that was putting this on. Are there others that are kind of backing them? So uh, it's the county commissioners that have referred this back to the voters. The city council in the city of Salem is uh, really happy with the cannabis industry. And our mayor-elect, Chuck Bennett, has said that the industry is working out really well within the city limits. He thinks you know, that we can expand the success into the county. Uh, there is some opposition, and I know that farmers would like to be able to vote on growing separately from retail. Uh, so maybe, you know, there's a need to have a measure split up between growing and retail and processing. But right now, 24405 covers everything, all licenses for recreational cannabis. That's an interesting point you make, because I think uh, people that might be concerned about, say, a storefront might not have the same concern about a grow or vice versa. Exactly. Uh, interesting that it's put that way. So um, how can people help out? Is there a website or donations or contact information you want to give out? Go to uh, voteyeson.org. You can sign up to volunteer. You can contact us and you can donate right there. There's a PayPal button. Fantastic. Vote yes on dot org. Yes. And we're having a gathering this Saturday at Gilgamesh Brewing so that people can come out and get more information. Oh, uh, yeah. Give us the times on that. Is there any uh, costs? Uh, what, what do people need to know? Yeah. So it's uh, Gilgamesh Brewing in Salem, Oregon, 330 to 530. It's $35 a ticket. Uh, we have appetizers and refreshments. We have a great speaker lineup with Representative Ken Helm, Attorney Lee Berger, Jenny Dressler from the Oregon Farm Bureau, and Brent DeHart, uh, past president of the Salem Chamber of Commerce. Mm, glad to hear that lineup, especially uh, Leland Berger, the attorney uh, well-known here in Oregon, uh, has argued all the way up the Oregon Supreme Court for our rights. And um, full disclosure, uh, he's an esteemed member of Portland Normal that I founded up here in Portland and, uh, and heads up our legal committee that's looking to uh, expand our rights. So I'd encourage everyone to check out that at Gilgamesh. That's this Saturday, correct? Yes. 
October 22nd. All right. And uh, this is grassroots uh, activism in action, people. We can we can affect these changes at the local level so much more than we can at the state or even the national level. But people aren't too aware of these things. Is it been tough to get the awareness out there that there's this local measure for people to vote on? Most voters have no idea that these measures are on the ballot because they thought that they voted yes already and they're not sure why we're revisiting this again. Mm, yeah. um, a lot of people don't understand about the zoning and taxation of cannabis, so it's a lack of knowledge, but um, just a lack of awareness. So it has been difficult. Uh, we are also trying to form a chapter of Oregon Cannabis Business Council here in Salem so that we have a hub for all cannabis businesses to be able to go to and share information. And right now that's really lacking. Mm. What would you say to critics who would say, look, Salem, the city, the city limits has plenty of pot shops, plenty of that stuff going on. Uh, why do we need to move it out here in the country? We don't like our, we don't like the pot out here in the country. What, what, how would you convince them? I would say OLCC has some of the strictest, security rules I've ever seen. And uh, no farm on this planet has stricter security than an OLCC farm. And people are afraid that they will see tasting rooms popping up in the country, but it is not legal to consume on site at a dispensary. So that fear is, you know, not well founded. Uh, but a lot of people just don't know. And they're worried about all these big fences around OLCC grow sites, but those are necessary. And, you know, there's not a lot of profitability out in the countryside for a dispensary. So just supply and demand, they're not going to pop up everywhere in the country. But I do think it's necessary to allow farmers, especially beginning farmers, the opportunity to diversify their crops and realize a significant amount of income from something that they're excited about doing and that will actually help sustain their family farm. Hmm. Sounds like we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. Like we want to put a farm out there and they say, oh, it's dangerous. It's pot. Oh, we got to. Okay, so we'll put some fences up and guard it. Oh, no, there's fences. We don't like it. Uh, I I (laughs) admire the work you're doing, and uh, I really hope that those uh, both of those initiatives will pass down there in Marion County. Uh, Check out... uh, was it voteyeson.org if they want to help out? Yes. All right. Voteyeson.org. Genevieve Sheridan down there in Marion County. Thank you so much for the work you're doing and good luck this election. Thank you for having me. You betcha. All right. Stay tuned, folks. And uh, when we come back, we'll have time for a radical rant where, oh, my God, it's that season again. Time to start swatting dragonflies. We're back right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. 
It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants, healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. The Russ Belleville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while and share. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. Well, well, well. Today in the rant, we take a look at the website ConnectionMags.com. That's with a Z. ConnectionMags.com, where once again... My nemesis, Dragonfly de la Luz, uh, the, um, gosh, what Batman villain would she be? Uh, Poison Ivy, maybe? Anyway, (laughs) the Poison Ivy to my Batman has once again appeared to fight against marijuana legalization. She was there in 2010 during the Prop 19 campaign, spewing her dragon lies, and she's back again for Prop 64, spewing more of the dragon lies. Uh, uh, this one here is entitled uh, Eight Reasons Why Californians Should Vote No on Prop 64. It's pretty much a reduction of an earlier article she wrote on another website called 14 Reasons Why Californians Should Vote No. And one of the things I'm really happy about in this is that the comments section is being littered with people that are calling her on the bullshit. And in doing so, linking to my two High Times Radical Rant articles, debunking everything she says. I couldn't be more proud. Thank you, people, for spreading the information. But let's take some time on this show to do the same damn thing. So let's start with myth number one. She says, uh, link severely edited, blah, blah, blah. And there's alternate versions. Okay, so she says, myth number one. 
Prop 64 will bring tax revenue to fund schools, healthcare, and infrastructure. Fact, no tax revenue will go to the general fund under Prop 64. And uh, it says uh, Prop 64 states that none of the tax revenue from recreational cannabis will go to the general fund. All would go to the California Marijuana Tax Fund, which becomes a slush fund for Governor Newsom eventually. And it'll have corruption and cronyism. It'll be awful. It'll be terrible. And it's quite different from everything else going on in the other states. Well, this is a bit of conjecture, and it's uh, based on some misdirection. First of all, it is true that Colorado, Oregon, Washington State, Alaska have earmarked marijuana tax revenues to benefit schools. That is true. And it is also true that California has not earmarked that money to benefit schools. It is true that in the other states, the marijuana is going to various funds, including the general fund. It's true that in California, it's not. It's going to a specific marijuana tax fund. But here's the part that's left out here. California is different than the other states when it comes to how it allocates its money. If you've ever followed anything about California propositions and ballots and tax initiatives, taxes were one of the first things that were attacked by activists back in the 80s trying to reduce tax burdens and such. So there's all sorts of law about how the taxes can be raised and where they can be spent and how they have to go. And it makes a situation where if we put the marijuana tax money in the general fund, that's where it becomes a slush fund. That's where the legislature can appropriate and move and redirect the money any way they like. Only by creating a separate marijuana fund can it have the direction as to where that money should go. So that was a a necessary part. The general fund would have screwed us. It was actually necessary to put it in the marijuana tax fund. Now, the complaint that it's not going to the right places, that uh, the marijuana money is not going straight to the schools is also a situation that's unique to California because it has to do with how the statutes already allocate money to go to the schools. So the marijuana fund is putting the money where it can based on all of the, the uh, ties and all of the restrictions already built into California tax code. And as far as this being cronyism and corruption and Gavin Newsom, like he's some sort of evil mustache twirling cartoon villain. Uh, this is not much different than other uh, sorts of allocations where le- uh, legislators and committees decide where money is to go. If you're upset about cronyism or corruption, that's a whole separate issue than whether or not we stop locking people up for growing marijuana plants. All right, let's get to her myth number two. She says, myth number two. Prop 64 legalizes home grows for all. Fact, few could legally grow under Prop 64. And she mentions that Prop 64 allows cities and counties to ban all but indoor cultivation. And 75% of local governments have or are considering bans. Okay, so if they have them now, if the bans already exist now, and those bans can ban indoor growing, uh, how are things getting worse by Prop 64? allowing at least indoor grows to exist. Now, the other part they mention is that uh, the home grows are six plants or less. It would only apply to residents of a few localities. It's six per residence, not per person, under highly restrictive conditions. And it would be extremely difficult under most conditions. More difficult than now, Dragonfly, when people can get felonies that put them in jail for two to three years for cultivating one plant, it's going to be more difficult when you can 
grow six in some places. Okay. Whatever. All right. Let's get to uh, myth number three. Prop 64 will protect small farmers. She says it will decimate small farmers. She says the anti-monopoly provisions only apply in the first five years of legalization. That is wrong. That is absolutely wrong. The thing that applies for five years is the cap on the grows over one acre. So for five years, actually it's three because the licensing starts in 2018 and so on. So for the three years that licensing begins and the farms start, not only are the big players kept out by a residency requirement and by this limit on the mega size grows, but there's also a licensing priority given to the existing players, a.k.a. the small farmers. Now, as far as this anti-monopoly, these people throw the word monopoly around. I don't even think they've seen the board game, much less read the definition. Monopoly means an industry controlled by one entity. There will be hundreds, maybe thousands of farmers licensed under Prop 64, all the way down to the micro business level, craft kind of cultivators and so forth. So it can't possibly be a monopoly unless one guy goes and buys all the licenses from everyone. Then maybe it's a monopoly, right? No. In fact, in Prop 64, there are two or three different provisions that specify in the awarding of a license, the commission is going to take into account whether or not this would lead to an excessive geographic a concentration in any particular area, whether it would lead to an excessive concentration of licenses for any one entity, and specifically uses the word monopoly when it describes that. And those parts don't expire. Hezekiah Allen, she quotes Hezekiah Allen from the California Growers Association, who says it could result in a catastrophic economic collapse for huge swaths of California. Look, uh, I'm sorry that you built three generations worth of your family's budget on the artificial price support that prohibition creates by locking up mostly poor, mostly minority people. But you do not deserve to earn a living based on other people's misery. Whether or not it's going to affect the Emerald Triangle's economic structure is not reason enough to continue criminalizing people and to throw a monkey wrench into the progress of the nation and the world ending prohibition. Now, I'm not unsympathetic to small family farmers, small businesses, people struggling to get by. But if this were 1855 and you were the, say, auctioneer at the slave auction, and you were complaining to me that, oh, my God, the Emancipation Proclamation is going to put me out of business. I'm not going to have a whole lot of sympathy for you. If you're a buggy whip manufacturer in 1896 worried about these new automobiles they're inventing and it put you out of business because you won't be making no buggy whips no more. Sorry. Find a new job. Find a new industry. Change happens to everybody. I used to be a professional musician. Did I like it when karaoke came into play in the late 80s, early 90s and started putting uh, club gigs out, started replacing live music with canned music and drunk singing it? Wasn't happy about that at all, but times change and I found a new gig. All right. She says uh, Prop 64 is a myth uh, because it's uh, the myth is Prop 64 is necessary to reduce drug arrest. She says Prop 47 has already made Prop 64 obsolete. 
got to love this. Um, she's basically copying one of Kevin Sabet's talking points. We don't need to legalize marijuana. Why, we've got decrim. Nobody that you know, possesses any personal amount, just they just get a ticket. And Well, Prop 47 defelonized a lot of these crimes, and my goodness, nobody goes to jail for weed, except the people that do. Except still, there are 8,800 felony marijuana charges in uh, California every year. It's just disgusting to hear people that smoke pot cribbing from Kevin Sabet. But I'll tell you what, if Prop 47 is, uh, made it unnecessary to legalize, if, if decrim is so wonderful, if Prop 215 protects everybody, well, then why are we bothering to legalize California at all? Why push CCHI? Why push MCLR? Why push any legalization initiative if everything's so cheery and rosy in California? Oh, oh, I know, because with CCHI and MCLR, uh, different people get rich. That's really what this is about. This is opposition to the business plan. Oh, I don't like this because it'll make it difficult for me to get rich. Without a consideration of the people sitting in jail now, currently now sitting in a cell for their misdemeanor or their felony marijuana arrest, who would have the opportunity for retroactive resentencing, early release, and expungement of their record. But uh, no, we can't help you guys out because uh, Sean Parker might make money. Or some big grower might make money. Or some farmer in the Emerald Triangle can't get $1,200 for a pound anymore. You have to stay in prison. Sorry, sorry. We'd love to let you out, but you're going to have to wait till 2020. Of course, you'll be out by 2020. So what's the difference? Myth number five that she lists in here in this uh, Dragonfly De La Luz eight reasons piece Prop 64 creates no new crime. She says it creates new crimes for teens and young adults. This one is absolute and utter unmitigated bullshit. She says it creates new crimes that don't exist today, including possessing more than an ounce, six months in jail or a $500 fine. That's a crime now. If you have more than an ounce, you are subject to six months and a $500 fine. She even tries to pull this, oh, if you share a joint, you're going to get jail time, right? She says teens and young adults aged 18 to 20 could get a crime, a fine, six months, $500 fine for sharing a joint, even though it's not a crime today. Wrong. It's a crime today. Delivery is a crime today. Gift is a crime today that is worth a $100 infraction. And it's still worth a $100 infraction because, once again, Dragonfly, you read paragraph A and failed to go to paragraph B. Paragraph A that says, except as otherwise listed, or except as otherwise noted in law, you get get a $500 fine, six months for passing a joint. And then paragraph B says, if it's under an ounce, you get a $100 ticket. I am just sick of the willful misinformation campaigns that we hear from the stoners against legalization in every state every year and by god wouldn't you know it almost every one of them has a financial attachment to the medical marijuana industry what a surprise just as surprised as i was i was to find uh, that uh, patriot care in massachusetts is against the legalization the uh, medical marijuana company patriot care they're against it They know where their bread is buttered. They like it. 
When these folks talk about monopoly, folks, the monopoly they know is the monopoly of the medical marijuana law, the monopoly of the doctors writing the permission slip, or the monopoly of the weed dealer. That's what they're protecting. Back for hour one. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On Or you can tell. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard. Have a ball. Live from beautiful Poplin, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and and the the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Ganja Graphics, the sultan of Sativa Statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, everyone. Time for Toker Talk Radio, where we let down what's left of my hair, spark up a fatty, and talk about the issues. Our phone line is open. If you want to get involved, it's 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-534. 2565-650-LEGAL-MJ. If you got comments, questions, suggestions, criticisms, topics, anything you want to get off your chest, we are here for you. And not just during this live 4 o'clock hour Pacific time, but also 24 hours a day. We've got a message machine out there. And if you'd like to leave a message for the world, we'll play that back on a later show. All right, let me continue. I got to finish up ranting on Dragonfly De La Luz who has posted these eight reasons why uh, people should vote to remain criminals in California and defeat Prop 64. Fortunately, uh, she's pissing in the wind because, you know, Prop 64 is in the 55 to 60 percent polling range. But still, it's it's fun. (laughs) So uh, she just talked about how there would be um, new crimes created. Young people passing a joint would face six months, five hundred dollars, except 
That's not true. The initiative would specify $100 ticket, just like it is now. She says, adults 21 and over who pass a joint to another college-age adult under 21 face the same steep penalty. Uh, No, they don't. And in both cases, if they have prior convictions, they can be sentenced to state prison time for two, three, or four years, which is the law now. (laughs) So, again, this new crimes myth they keep trying to foist on us is just not true. The only thing that gets more penalized under Prop 64 is if you token public in a place that has no tobacco smoking zones in it, like you toke in a non-smoking zone, a specific non-smoking zone, that fine goes from 100 bucks to 250 bucks. That's it. That's the only thing that gets worse under Prop 64. That's it. Small price to pay, if you ask me. I had another one of them uh, on my High Times piece, J. Craig Canada, who uh, tried to convince me that the uh, Prop 64 created a new crime because it creates a public toking crime. Uh, Section, I think it was uh, 26100 or something that said... uh, Nothing shall be construed to permit the public smoking of marijuana. It's a $100 infraction. And that that was some sort of new crime. It's not. It's not. If I go out on the street in California and smoke a joint and a cop sees me, he will give me a $100 ticket. After Prop 64 passes, if I go out on the street and I smoke a joint and a cop sees me, he will give me a $100 ticket. Now, there is... A slight difference. The $100 ticket that I get under Prop 64 is a ticket for public cannabis consumption. The ticket for $100 I get under the current law is the $100 ticket for marijuana possession. He's trying to say, oh, there's there's never been a public toking penalty under California law, and this creates a brand new penalty. As a technicality, you're right, Craig. But from a practical standpoint, it's just the same punishment you would have got in the first place. They just changed the name of it. That's like trying to say, oh, there's a $100 ticket for marijuana possession, and they got rid of that, and they instituted a $100 ticket for cannabis possession. See? It's a new law. We never had a, a, a law against cannabis possession. We only had a law against marijuana possession, right? It's the same idea. What difference does it make what they call the infraction? When it's the same penalty, $100 ticket. That's just uh, these people. All right, let me get to the next one. It's um, myth number six. Says that uh, Prop 64 is irrevocable by the legislature. And they say the fact is Prop 64 lets the legislature alter it at will. And she points out that in California, typically the ballot initiatives can't be amended except by another initiative. Okay, but in Prop 64, it has language in it that says they can make amendments. And so that's giving to the legislature the power to change something passed by the people. And the of course, the scare here is that the people will pass this legislation and then the legislature legislators being the evil cartoon twirling, you know, mustache twirling villains they are uh, will gut it all. They'll destroy it all and we'll be screwed. But here's the thing. Giving amendment power to the legislature, first of all, is limited in Prop 64. The majority, 50% majority, can only change certain things. 
They can only adjust the regulations for medical and recreational commercial licensing, right? The stuff that's in section five, section six, that's added, that creates the whole, how are there going to be licenses? Are there going to be commissions? Are there going to be, you know, application processes? All the the bureaucratic mumbo jumbo, that stuff can be modified with a 50% majority. A 50% majority can also modify any of the penalties, but only to reduce them. A majority can only reduce the penalties. They can say, all right, well, we're going to get rid of that six-month $500 misdemeanor and drop it down to $100 ticket. Or we're going to take that $100 ticket and drop it down to 25 bucks, Or perhaps increase the amount you could grow at home to 12 plants rather than six because increasing your limit is technically reducing the penalty for that much, right? Because there's currently a penalty for seven to 12 plants and you'd be reducing it by increasing the limit to 12, right? Those are the things that can be modified with 50% majority. A couple of the other things that can be modified have to do with the, uh, the disbursement of the taxes, uh, but then only after 10 years and not affecting a couple of the, uh, the provisions that have to stay at the same level. So after 10 years, they could modify a little bit about where the, uh, the money goes. Everything else in Prop 64 that could be modified by the legislature requires a two-thirds majority. That's hard to get, even in California, a two-thirds majority. But to portray this as if it's a bad thing, as if you should pass an initiative and it should never be altered by the legislature, shows a bit of ignorance about what's going on in many states when it comes to their citizen initiatives. First of all, California. Y'all passed Prop 215, 11 short little lines with no amendment power. How'd that work out? That led to 18, 19 years of chaos. Little things that could have been fixed through amendment that couldn't be fixed had to languish, had to be pushed and prodded, had to go through numerous court battles, had to deal with lots of raids and problems and, and imprisonments that could have been avoided if there were a way to modify that initiative. Or Washington State. Washington State passed I-502. In Washington, initiatives can't be modified by the legislature for two years following their passage. So for the first two years in Washington, Initiative 502 didn't account for all sorts of problems that cropped up, particular crop problems as far as how much production and how many outlets and retail canopy and so forth. So for the first two years in Washington, we had a situation where the prices were 25 bucks uh, for, a, for a damn gram because it couldn't be modified. We couldn't add more production capability. We couldn't uh, increase the, the, the canopy limit. We couldn't do anything like that because it couldn't be modified. All right, let me get to this seven, uh, myth seven. She says that it's a myth that Prop 64 protects patients' rights because it lets localities decide patients' rights. This is one of the most offensive myths or the pieces of bullshit that she puts up there. This is the, this is the, the thrust of the no on 64 campaign from the stoners against legalization is if we pass this, say goodbye to medical marijuana. That's their big fear. Okay. And right now she's saying two million patients enjoy the right to grow as much cannabis as they require literally an unlimited amount as upheld by the Supreme Court in the People v. Kelly ruling. Anyone can become a patient and no one has to lie to do it. Wait a minute. Anyone can become a patient and no one has to lie to do it? 
This is where uh, these people, they look at the Prop 215 that says you can provide for any, anything for which marijuana provides relief. This gets attached to the all-uses medical trope with the idea that nobody who's going to get a permission slip from the doctor is lying. Because everybody using cannabis is using it for medical purposes, right? Well, if all-uses medical, then it's just use, isn't it? If any excuse for anybody at any time is medical, then why even designate that it's medical? That's like saying all the children in Lake Wobegon are above average. It's like saying all the kids are special. Well, you've, then the word means nothing. It, special distinguishes you from something that's ordinary, right? <laughs> medical should distinguish you from something that's not medical, right? If all use is medical, there's no point in using the word medical. But let me, let's get back to the subject here, okay? Yes, people are lying to get their medical marijuana cards. But this thing she says, under Prop 64, Unlimited would drop to six plants. That's a lie. Prop 64 says specifically that the limits that are specified of one ounce, eight grams of concentrate, and six plants per household do not apply to the Compassionate Use Act at all. This is a pernicious lie being spread by these stoners against legalization. They should be ashamed of themselves because it does not say that. She goes on to say that, uh, oh, and by the way, with People v. Kelly, People v. Kelly was a a case that decided uh, a law called SB 420. SB 420 was what they passed, uh, uh, Jerry Brown's regulations, that passed, that created the dispensaries and the collectives and the co-ops that now Mercursa has taken over. The thing in SB 420 that was found unconstitutional was that it specified a, a, sumptive, a presumptive limit. It wasn't really a limit. It was more like a floor, but technicalities don't matter. A presumptive limit on patient's uh, possession. It said, uh, we'll, we'll presume eight ounces and six plants or whatever it was. I don't remember the numbers. doesn't matter. But it, it set a limit. And the courts came back and said, no, you can't set a limit because Prop 215 says medically recommended amount. And this is telling doctors what that would be. And you can't. That was the only part that was thrown out. Just the limits part. Because Prop 215 says patients have a limit. They're trying to tell you that Prop 64 establishes this six-plant limit indoors. And since it's a citizen initiative, unlike the legislature, which was rebuked and tried to set a limit and was rebuked, but unlike that, this is a citizen initiative. Therefore, it could set a limit on Prop 215. But it's not. It specifically says it is not doing that. She also complains the initiative would further limit patients' access by making it more difficult to get doctor's recommendations. Right now, a patient just needs oral or written recommendation to obtain and grow. Under 64, they'd need a $100 annual ID card. Wrong. The $100 ID card was created by Mercursa, the Medical Cannabis Regulation and Safety Act, not Prop 64. Prop 64 does indicate that you need to have that card if you want the sales tax deduction at the dispensaries. Every other right patients have exists under Prop 215, which is not being repealed. It exists under Prop 215 and still exists with just a oral or written recommendation. And that is reiterated in Prop 64. 
And then, um, then we get uh, the big one. This is the one they're really trying to hammer at home. Number eight, what happened in Washington won't happen here, but Prop 64 would end the medical cannabis industry as we know it. And she tells the, the sad tale of Washington State. The medical cannabis dispensaries have been shut down. Patients have to go to rec outlets. They have to buy it with 46% taxes on it. During the campaign, they were told I-502 wouldn't change medical. And look, there it did. She even says um, I-502 contained a rare provision that allows legislators to alter it at their whim. Lie, not true, falsehood. Prop or I-502 was an initiative just like any other initiative. Under Washington's constitution, legislators, legislators could not amend it for two years. After two years, they could, and they did. Nothing written in I-502 could have stopped the legislature from passing SB 5052. That's what shut down the dispensaries was SB 5052 and the, dispens- and the, and the legislature, not I-502. Now, I-502 could have been written in a way that protected medical marijuana. I-502 could have had all sorts of provisions in it that says this shall not change that, this shall allow this. I-502 could have been a comprehensive initiative that regulated all cannabis and took medical use into account. But when they were trying to draft this legalization, all they heard from the medical cannabis people was, don't touch medical, don't say anything about medical, nothing in 502, better say a goddamn thing about the medical system, leave it alone, do nothing to it. And so they did. And so they did. Okay, we won't talk about medical, we won't include medical, we won't do a thing about medical, you're on your own. And look what happened. This uh, scare is being done, as she says, to replace, repeal, and supersede Prop 215. 215 is a voter initiative. Only the voters can change it. 64 is a voter initiative. Since it taxes non-medical and medical, it'll repeal, unquestionably, she says, repeal 215. Here's the flaw in that thinking. Washington is not the scare California should fear. Washington is the lesson that California learned. The reason SB 5052 was passed by the legislature is because once I-502 passed, it had a well-regulated, taxed, inspected, certified, carefully planned, strictly controlled system of marijuana distribution. And right next to it was the unregulated, untaxed Wild West where anybody who wanted to walk into a doctor and tell a lie could get a card. With those two systems next to each other, how many people do you think would have gone into the recreational shops and paid, a, well, at the time, 25 plus 25 plus 25% tax? Nobody. They'd all go lie to a doctor, get their little permission slip, and go to these unregulated Wild West stores. But California learned that lesson and passed McCursa the year before they knew legalization would be on the ballot. The legislature got their act together, regulated the industry, so there wouldn't be this stark differential between the rec market and the medical market. California learned its lesson. And this idea that Prop 64 is going to repeal Prop 215 is such 
a wild Hail Mary pass, it's incredible. Prop 64 cannot repeal 215. It does not repeal 215. 215 covers three things. You got the right to use and possess marijuana however much a doctor says so. You got the right to plant and harvest cannabis however much a doctor says so. And you have the inferred right, based on the Kelly decision, to transport that shit back and forth. That's it. That's all that's in 215. There is nothing in there about commerce, about sales, about collectives, about co-ops. Nothing. Nothing in there. It's not repealing medical marijuana. You can still lie to your doctor, get your little permission slip, and grow and smoke to your heart's content, dragonfly. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. The Tommy Chong Show on Cannabis Radio. You got me running. You got me hiding Run, hide, and hide, run Any way you want, let it roll Yeah, yeah, yeah You got me doing what you want me, baby Girl, what you want me to do Shut up and do a podcast as I want you to do. Well, that sounds like a good idea. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you had a good safety meeting. I'm feeling a little safer myself, although I had to roll a fresh one, so give me just a second. That's better. 
beautiful day here in legal potland, Oregon. And that's the thing about uh, all of these scares from the stoners against legalization is they'd be a lot scarier in 2012. Not so scary in 2016 after we've gotten two successive election cycles where two states have legalized. And now we've got data and experience from these states that show us that these fears from both the normal opponents of legalization and the stoners against legalization are unfounded or at least misdirected. I'm not going to deny that there's been significant wholesale decimation of Washington state's medical cannabis system. Not denying that at all, but the blame is misplaced. The blame is misplaced on legalization when the blame really belongs on the legislature, on your previous governor, and the actors within the medical cannabis industry itself who stretched every loophole they possibly could to enrich themselves and to make a mockery out of what the people had passed as a medical initiative surrounded by compassion and altruism. I'm just getting sick of these medical cannabis activists, advocates, profiteers who are always against a legalization initiative because it's just not perfect enough to maintain exactly what they want out of medical. I'm really, I, I have doubts that there'd ever be anything they would actually support. It's funny because the, the reasons they give to oppose the legalization, oh, it's going to be a takeover by big marijuana, are actually more likely outcomes of the wide open initiatives they support. You know, a lot of these, like in California, they're all these CCHI people or MCLR people. Uh, a CCHI is the Jack Herrera initiative. Uh, everybody gets 12 pounds, 99 plants, $10 per ounce tax, set free all the pot prisoners, blah, 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 right? Uh, MCLR has no limits, personal cultivation, personal possession, as long as it's not commercial, have as much as you want. No age limit. Doesn't specify what the age is in there. Yeah, I'm sure the voters would pass that. If they did, though, if they passed MCLR or passed CCHI, one of those specifies or both of them would require the legislature. You know, this legislature that after Prop 64 passes is going to destroy everything. These evil guys, the evil conspiracy of crony capitalism in the legislature. Yeah, those guys. If CCHI or MCLR passed, they're the ones who would institute the commercial regulations. Yeah, so Prop 64 laying it all out in, oh my God, 62 pages. That, uh, with all these strict guidelines and purposes and intents that would have to be followed, that's what the legislature is going to abuse to destroy marijuana. But CCHRM still are that have no restrictions whatsoever on what the legislature can do. Yeah, those would, uh, th- those would be just fine. Legislature would, be, would make perfect regs, wouldn't they? These stoners against legalization, true legalization initiatives... Don't specify any sort of commercial regulations and, and leave the field wide open for the biggest and richest players to come in and dominate the market. If these people are really worried about a monopoly, quote unquote, they wouldn't be supporting MCLR or CCHI either. 
So I just get sick of it. After 20 years of people lying to the doctor to get their permission slip so they can avoid being arrested for pot, who want to tell people in Texas they need to keep waiting. People in Arkansas, they need to keep waiting. People in North Dakota and South Dakota, y'all need to just wait a little bit longer until we can get the perfect true legalization initiative on the ballot and pass it that doesn't hurt anybody in medical and makes everything perfect. Because that's what you're doing, guys. You're not voting on legalization just for California. Every state that votes on legalization is voting to end worldwide drug prohibition. It's just one battle in a really big war. And it's just inexcusable, inexcusable to try to thwart that. Now, if there were something significantly awful about a legalization initiative, I would oppose it. If the things Dragonfly and Letitia and Craig and all these naysayers say about Prop 64 were true, I would oppose it. But they're not true. For me, I-502 is the baseline. I-502 is hard for me to support people. Really tough for me to support. I was here. I was in the Pacific Northwest. I got the angry meme pictures made out of me and the boos and the, and the threats throughout two years of that campaign. It was hard for me to support it because I have a litmus test when it comes to legalization. Does it make the situation better than it is now? That's the overall question. Look at the situation now. Does it make the situation better? And then there's a three point criteria that I have. And it's kind of like a, Asimov's rules of robotics, right? It's like the number one outranks number two and number two outranks number three. Okay. Number one, can I smoke pot? That's it. Can I smoke pot? Now, of course, to smoke it, I have to be able to possess it. And and so, yeah, can I smoke pot? Does this initiative stop the cops from fucking with me? over my possession, or even if I smell like pot. That's number one. Number two, can I buy pot? Can I, can I buy some pot? Can I get some pot somewhere? Number three, can I grow pot? And number four, does it end discrimination? In that order, okay? So if the initiative allows me to have pot, if it takes the power from the cops to fuck with me over pot, Boom, we're done. Pass it. Number two, does allow me to buy pot. That would be great. I'd love to be able to buy some pot. But if it doesn't allow that, but still allows me to possess it and smoke it, I'm still for it. Like Washington, D.C.'s Grow and Give. No pot shops. I can't buy weed in Washington, D.C. But I can have it and smoke it. Number three, can I grow it? Can I grow it? Well, in Washington, D.C., I can have it and grow it. So there's a, there's a double pass, right? In Oregon, I can have it, buy it, and grow it. That's a triple pass. Colorado, have it, grow it, it, buy it, grow it. That's triple pass. Washington State, I can have it, I can buy it, Mm, but I can't grow it. Doesn't make things any worse than they are now, or were then, I should say. Couldn't grow it before, couldn't grow it. No, that's that's not a deal breaker. And number four, does it end discrimination? Well, this is where 502 got tough for me. 
because 502 added discrimination. 502 did make something worse. It made that per se DUID, that unscientific way cops could ruin someone's life with a DUID charge when they're not impaired at all. So I had a quandary. I had two good things. I can possess it. I can buy it. I had one neutral thing. Can't home grow it. And I had one awful thing per se DUID. But weighing it all out, does it make it overall better for the world, for myself and for others? 502 was a positive. It did more good than the bad it added. Now, uh, my critics would say, oh, yeah, but you're not counting the bad of how it destroyed the medical marijuana industry because it didn't. 502 did not have a thing in it that affected the medical marijuana industry one iota. SB 5052 did that. It's just uh, just maddening. I just. I just and, 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 and part of this problem lies in the original sin of medical marijuana. And let me let me couch that. Let me preface that a little bit. You know, we talk about how America has an original sin of slavery, like this country was founded, built on the backs of slaves. We've never reconciled that. We've never really gone into it and dealt with the problem. And it still festers to this day in various manifestations. America's original sin of slavery. The three-fifths compromise, right? In that same mode of thinking, medical marijuana's original sin was to present to the public the face of compassion and altruism and suffering, while in private, knowing damn well knew that it meant quasi-legalization and the ability for people to smoke pot. And as the public has increasingly figured that out, they've had less and less esteem for that action. So it's kind of, you know, boy who cried wolf kind of, you know, situation here when you're crying about how terrible these things have happened to medical when it was your own two-facedness that set you up for this. If in Washington state the only people who were getting medical marijuana were actually the cancer patients and AIDS patients and quadriplegics and spastics that were put up on the, in the ads and brought forth into the legislatures and, and, and shown at the rallies speaking out for their desperate need for cannabis, if those were the only people who were served by these medical marijuana laws, no legislature would touch them. It would be political suicide. And, and my proof of that concept CBD-only laws. We managed to get Utah and Alabama and Mississippi super anti-pot states that won't even touch medical marijuana because, my God, some kid might smoke a joint like they don't now. But those states, from 2014 to 2015, we got 16 of those states. It was, there was a time where there was like one or two a week that were passing these laws because it was political suicide, even for a conservative Republican in Mormon-heavy Utah to be seen as opposing a non-psychoactive cannabis medicine that stops epileptic kids from having seizures. 
these legislators always get painted as some sort of, like I say, cartoon mustache twirling villains tying up damsels on the railroad tracks when they're just people, especially when you're talking about state legislators or people. People that can be swayed by emotional arguments. People who have compassion for sick kids. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Have you seen their ad? It's been called downright false. The truth? Prop 205 gives Arizona schools 80% of marijuana tax revenues, $55 million for our schools every year. It will be the law. If we don't act, the real winners will be criminals and cartels who already sell marijuana illegally. You decide who wins, criminals and cartels or Arizona schools. Let's pick our schools. Vote yes on 205. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. Most of us pirates, we go on vacation to North Dakota, you know, because they've got a town called Argusville. Ar, ar, ar. What are you smoking there, boy? This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. 37 after the hour, and uh, looking forward to marijuana election night coming up. In three weeks from tonight, my God, I'll be in L.A. bringing you live coverage of all the votes that are happening across the country in the fight to end marijuana prohibition. Also, uh, lots of travel gigs coming up here as we wind up the year. It's going to be kind of interesting for me. In my first six months, I was really busy. Like It was a travel gig every weekend, man. I, I, I literally didn't live in Portland for like six months, maybe a weekend here or there because <laughs> I was traveling so much. And then summertime came, kind of eased up a bit. I've been doing a couple of gigs, but now as we kick off the rest of this year, oh, I'm getting pretty busy, folks. This next weekend, uh, 22nd, 23rd is my, I think the last free weekend I have uh, that doesn't have either a gig or a holiday. So Halloween weekend. The 29th and 30th, actually just the 29th, I should say, I will be in Dallas, Texas at the Dallas Marijuana March. 
Looking forward to that. The following weekend, uh, Saturday, uh, November 5th and 6th, the weekend before the election, I'm driving to Santa Cruz, California on Sunday to be a guest on the live edition, the live pre-election edition of Stony Sunday with Coral Reefer. I had, to, I had to make my way down to L.A. anyway, right? Could drive, could fly, whatever. And she said, what are you doing for the before the election? I said, oh, I'm just, you know, nothing. You want to be on Stony Sunday? I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> I got to drive south on five anyway. Yeah, why not? So uh, I'll give you all the links and everything. You can watch that Stony Sunday on, uh, what is it, the uh, 6th, two days before the election. Hang out with uh, Coral Reefer. And of course, election night's the following Tuesday. Uh, then we've got, let's see, Veterans Day holiday, the 12th and 13th. It actually looks like I do have a free weekend. What do you know? Then the following week, middle of November, starting on the 15th, the Marijuana Business Conference at the Rio in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm really excited to go to this. It's four days in Las Vegas, one of the biggest shows there is. And keynote speech, Penn Gillette of Penn & Teller. I love Penn Gillette. This will be great. Then I get back that Friday on Saturday, I'll be at the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. This will be in Ashland, Oregon. Uh, So that'll be November 19th, that weekend. Then we got Thanksgiving week and the Thanksgiving weekend. Then we move into December where the last of November, first of December week is Portland Weed Week. Six days of events in Portland and I'm emceeing a number of them. Then we follow that with my vacation. Starting on December 5th, I will be in Jamaica. Two weeks in Jamaica and Florida, so there will be two weeks without the Russ Belville show in December. Actually, three because I take Christmas week off as well. And um, I, I, I'm going to do this because, damn it, I need some time off. <laughs> uh, so two weeks in Jamaica and Florida. Then there will be a week of shows, the week of Christmas. And what those shows will be is kind of like the best of 2016 kind of retrospective shows, you know, best interviews, best news stories and so on uh, for that week. And then we're into Christmas and the Christmas week that I will be off because I take the Christmas week off uh, or the week between Christmas and New Year's, I should say. And then we're uh, then we're into 2017 New Year's Day happening. uh, (laughs) Like I said, two weekends I've got between now and New Year's that uh uh, I don't have some sort of travel gig. Pretty amazing. And the gigs are already starting to line up for uh, January and some of the other events that are out there uh, throughout this uh, growing cannabis movement. I'll keep you posted on all this. Eventually, I'm going to have my Radical Russ uh, website back up. I know I've been it's been down for a long time, but got so much to do. But we'll get that back up and the calendar will be there and everything else. All right, let's go back to something I dealt with in uh, the first hour, and that is our opponents and their advertising campaigns. They're starting to pour some money in, and uh, we're starting to see some of the advertisements and the framing they're using to try to scare the voters into rejecting marijuana legalization. Let's take a listen now to one of the ads that is running in the state of Arizona on their Prop 205. Supporters of Prop 205 claim it will raise money for Arizona schools. But check the fine print. Where does the money really go? To pay for new government agencies and a special marijuana police force. Arizona schools get whatever's left over. When marijuana was legalized in Colorado, Denver schools got nothing. Prop 205 means bigger government and more spending. 
Do you really think the marijuana money will get to Arizona classrooms? Get the facts on Prop 205. Now, that's a pretty slimy ad for two reasons. Number one, uh, this thing about it creating new bureaucracies, new bureaus, new government agencies. Yeah, the ones that regulate marijuana. (laughs) Like... Uh, Yeah, duh, of course there's going to be new agencies to regulate marijuana because none exist now. And we're going to raise the taxes that pay for those agencies so it's revenue neutral and actually revenue positive because we're going to make money on this as we have in all the other states that have legalized. And number two, the other slimy thing in this, oh, this is one they've been using a couple times. In fact, the former mayor of Denver has been using this as well, Wellington Webb. And this is the thing of... Denver didn't get any tax money for schools. Oh, Denver was left out high and dry. There was no money for Denver. That leaves out the point that, A, every place other than Denver got plenty of money, got a lot of money. And B, Denver rejected the money. There was plenty of money for Denver. It was all earmarked, ready to go, considering that Denver's got the bulk of the cannabis commerce there that's where the taxes are being made right but they rejected it when uh, wellington webb was the mayor they didn't want that money they turned it down you can't complain you didn't get any money when you turned it down all right let's see what they got going on in uh california here's one la proposición 64 permitiría dulces de marihuana hacer objetos de publicidad en la televisión ¿En serio? ¿Cuál chocolate es real? ¿Cuál tiene marihuana? Los niños no pueden ver la diferencia. La proposición 64 permitiría dulces de marihuana hacer objetos de publicidad en la televisión. En programas que los niños ven. No podemos permitir que nuestros niños se pongan en riesgo. No. No. No a la proposición 64. Now, for my listeners out there that don't speak Spanish, this is just the gummy bear ad. This is, oh my God, there's going to be chocolate. There's going to be candies. The little niños will get into the chocolates. They'll get into the gummies and it'll be terrible. And we've debunked this a number of times that uh, all the scares about, oh my God, there's been double the number of kids in Colorado that have gotten in the gummies. <gasps> double, double the number of kids have gone to the ER. <gasps> Yeah, double was 47. Yeah, 47 went to the uh, poison control in 2015. Uh, Compared to 20 some odd that were the year before, 10 the year before that, whatever. See, they want to throw this double at you. Oh my God, it doubled. Without recognizing the raw numbers, we're still talking about one one thousandth the number of kids that overdose on gummy vitamins. So, yeah, mountain out of a molehill, right? Plus, that doubling doesn't even tell us that more kids have gotten sick on pot candies. It just tells us more parents have taken their kids in and been honest about what they got into. I'll bet all sorts of kids were getting into pot candies before. It's not like pot candy is new in Colorado. Not like brownie. It's the first time anybody ever made a pot brownie, right? But back in the day when it was a crime... And your kid got sick and you went, oh, shit, he ate the brownie. He ate the bag. And you took him to the hospital. And the doctor said, what'd your kid get into? You went, oh, uh, uh, it must be food poisoning. Uh, E. coli, I guess. Uh, Salmonella, maybe. I don't know. You wouldn't tell the truth about it. So 
what we can say for certain is that the reporting of marijuana ingestion has doubled. Not necessarily that more kids have gotten into it. All right, let's go to Massachusetts. Here's an anti-ad from Massachusetts. Question four would allow thousands of pot shops and marijuana operators throughout Massachusetts in neighborhoods like yours. Shops that sell pot edibles that look like candy and high-potency marijuana. In pro-pot states, incidents of drugged driving and fatal car accidents are up. More pot shops than McDonald's and Starbucks combined. Higher potency, dangerous drivers. It's the reason health Mom, professionals are urging heaven? you to vote no on four. Now, we already tackled the more dispensaries, more pot shops than Starbucks and McDonald's part, right? That, yeah, that's apples and oranges. How many places can you get coffee and a hamburger, right? So we already tackled that one. I want to, this time, tackle the one where she says, uh, what was it? Pot smoking uh, or, or pot smoking driving or impaired driving and, and traffic fatalities are up. Wrong on both counts. First of all, DUI citations in Colorado dropped from 2014 to 2015. Marijuana only DUI citations dropped from 2014 to 2015. And road fatalities continued to decline in all the states that have legalized. Uh, wait, I, there might be, I think there was a uptick in the rate of fatalities per 100 million miles in Colorado, and it was a statistically tiny, like, uptick in the rate but the overall fatalities themselves declined there was just less miles driven fewer miles driven uh in colorado right so deaths are down dui citations are down what they're trying to work with is the fact that more people who were found dead in crashes had thc in their system now that tells us nothing Except those people smoke pot. It doesn't say they were smoking pot while they're driving. It doesn't say they smoked pot right before they drove. It doesn't say they were impaired while they were driving. It doesn't say that their marijuana use, whether it was from impairment or distraction trying to light the joint, caused the crash. All it tells us is more people who died had pot in their system. Now, that would be as significant as telling me that we found more dead male drivers who were gay married. Well, yeah, because it's legal now. You're more likely to find an increase in married gay dead drivers now that there is such a thing as married gay men. Just like you're likely to find more pot smokers who have been in car crashes now that it's legal to be a pot smoker. And this correlates with their other talking point. They have this talking point about how, oh my God, uh, we legalized pot and, and, and more people are using it. it. The use rates have increased and, and they're using more of it. Okay, well, if the use rates have increased, they're using more of it and pot stays in your system from, uh, at, even with the best testing of active THC in blood can last four to six to eight hours. If we're talking metabolites we're talking days even weeks for heavy consumption so yeah if you have more opportunity to smoke pot more often that chance that you're going to be in that window where you have no detectable metabolites or active thc is going to be a smaller chance 
We'll wind things up with a couple more of these crazy ads when we return. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. You're going to be a great granddad. Pretty cool. (laughs) Morgan is Ray Dawn's son. Uh, Morgan and his wife, Tracy, they've been trying to have a baby for quite some time. (laughs) Did you hear what I said to Morgan? What? Do you know who the father is? (laughs) The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. The Russ Belleville Show. We're as much like Cheech and Chong as ordinary Americans are like the Three Stooges. Hey, Mo! When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. And blue blushing gurgin fuffin' deer blossom snurb norbin. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on cannabisradio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Just uh, closing things up here in our last segment and reminding you that we are here all this week on the Russ Belleville Show, exclusively on cannabisradio.com as we prepare for our marijuana election night 2016. Also, Uh, You know about my work in my new blog, weednews.co, because we're too lazy to put the M on the end. No, just just joking. Uh, Weednews.co, I have just published all five of the state marijuana legalization initiatives, and they're all hyperlinked with tables of contents. So you can use this to pass it around to your friends and throughout your shares. And let me give you an example, okay? So I'm going to go to weednews.co right now, and I'm going to pull up the California one. And what's nice about this is because it's got the hyperlink with the table of contents, you can link, you can make the hyperlink go straight to the section that debunks whatever the hell it is that someone is saying about, uh, about the uh, law. 
right? So, for example, when they were saying that um, the uh, medical marijuana or that the uh, Prop 64 is going to uh, end the medical marijuana, you can leap right to section 11362.45 and you can take that hyperlink and copy it and you can send it over to your little pal who says this thing is true and you can just say, uh, go click that and tell me what that says <laughs> and it'll jump them right to the section which is section 11362.45, nothing in section 11362.1 concerning personal possession and cultivation shall be construed or interpreted to amend, repeal, affect, restrict, or preempt. And then you got to scroll down to paragraph I, laws pertaining to the Compassionate Use Act of 1996. So check those out. I got all five of the states, California, Arizona, Nevada, Massachusetts, and Maine, all up on weednews.co, all with those kind of hyperlinks in them, and you can use that to help your debunking efforts. I'm going to have to use it myself because of the uh, Maine Attorney General who came out with an opinion that said uh, question one in Maine would legalize pot for minors because it gets rid of the penalty for everyone and then makes it legal for adults, and then there's no penalty for minors, and oh my God, how are we going to punish them? I still haven't... uh, dug into that one i know it's bullshit i just need to go find the actual sections that prove it so we will get to that soon enough now i also wanted to um real quick mention the great work being done at marijuana.com by our good friend tom angel of marijuana majority over the past three or four days he has been digging into the email hack of John Podesta, which is theft, people. <laughs> it's theft. It's violation of privacy. And it's not a Democrat-Republican thing. I think, you know, private e- personal emails, that's theft. Government servers, government secrets, fine. Leak away. I'm all for that because that's public info. That's public knowledge. That's our government, but not people's personal email. Regardless of how I feel about that, <laughs> Tom's been doing great work digging into this and finding... <clears throat> Anything that has to do with Secretary Clinton and her opinions on marijuana. The big one that came out was everybody freaking out about this uh, chat session she had with the CEO of Xerox in March of 2014 when she said, short in all senses of the word, responding to does she support legalization. And the context meant no, I oppose legalization in every way. And so our side has been freaking out. Oh, my God. See, Hillary doesn't support legalization. You should. I've actually got people in my feed telling me we should vote for Donald Trump because at least he supports legalization. <laughs> vote Satan 2016. He supports pot. You know, OK, so that was the big one that came out on the 10th. There's been some other ones that he's unearthed that are quite interesting. There was a proposal to attack. Martin O'Malley, the Maryland governor, uh, that Hillary Clinton would use the fact that he was so late on coming around to decriminalization that she might use that as an attack during the primary debates. Um, Now, the problem why she couldn't use that is she wasn't too good on the decrim issue herself. (laughs) In 2007, when she ran for president, she said, I do not think we should decriminalize it. Now, since then, she's kind of gone the whole states' rights, medical marijuana is okay, let's wait and see. I really think she's going to be kind of like Obama, just, you know, just let it happen. And another link uh, leak has come out. This was the one he posted uh, on the 14th about uh, marijuana banking 
and how they were discussing the need to do something about that for the legal states. It's a complex issue. I know people have a lot of different opinions on this uh, on this election and who should be president, but um, folks, come on now. <laughs> There's only one of two people who can possibly be president who won't be an absolute disaster. And it ain't the reality TV star. That's all the time we got for today. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you tomorrow. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seat, you're planning, you're growing, you're giant, you're rolling, you're smoking. You take a seat, you're planning, you're growing, you're giant, you're rolling, you're smoking. You take a seat, you're planning, you're growing, you're giant, you're rolling, you're smoking, and it goes